Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Friday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, and 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us to close out the week. We are inside of 48 hours until Super Bowl 57. Kansas City and Philadelphia, and we are absolutely jam-packed tonight. Let me get something out of the way right off the top. I was informed by uh, my co-workers here at 1010XL and 92.5 that there was uh, some sort of serpent that crawled into our building at about 3.30 Eastern Standard Time this afternoon. They took a photo of it. And I think it looks about 12 feet long. Um, apparently, it was more of the four or five foot variety. They've told me it's a black racer. Yeah, I don't need that, Denmark. Um, I don't know if it is a black racer or not. Uh, but here's what I do know. I have the phobia when it comes to those things. I thought very, very strongly about doing the show from my house tonight. I got a guy from the west side in Dillon, Denmark, who I am not ashamed to admit I will hide behind you if that thing is still in the building and if it slithers in here. And I've already told my wife that I will barricade myself in one of the offices and wait for Lagerman, Favor, and Waltz of the Outdoors show that comes in here at 6.30 on Saturday morning. They can deal with it. All right, the dollar amount it would take you to kill a snake is what? Uh, I mean, am I, am I defending like a young child or? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you enforced and the, uh, oh, well, you, you got it. You got to get out of the house cause you, you can't be late at karate <laughs> and, uh, you got to be at karate and the only way to get past, you got the only way to get to your car is you got to kill the snake. Yeah. No, if it, if it's a situation like that, I mean, if, if my three-year-old son there, yeah. I mean, then, then you got to put your big boy pants on. All right. But a situation like this. In this gigantic building that we have where that thing could slither anywhere, I've been told it was escorted out of the building, all right? So this is just a precautionary measure, but there might not be a dollar amount. It would be very high for me to search this building to find that snake. Here's what I do know. Like I said, you're a West Side guy, all right? Um, and maybe I'm stereotyping here, but I'm going to hide behind you because I would think you have more experience with snakes than I do. And if you don't want to deal with it, then I will wait for Jeff Lagerman and Kevin Favor to come in here tomorrow morning and they can deal with it because I am not going to get within 10 feet of that thing. I thought it was a joke at first when the picture came out on Twitter. I thought it was like one of those plastic snakes or something. No, that thing was that was Real a deal. big that was a big snake, Denmark. Yeah, that, uh, it wasn't little. So, oh, good grief. And by the way, I love the listeners. I love the fellowship and the camaraderie. I don't need you sending me pictures of snakes on Twitter right now. I've already gotten like three or four of them. I don't need snakes striking a camera. I don't need Indiana Jones footage. Good heavens, man. I don't need it. I got the phobia. I don't like the damn things. What I also loved is when that picture came out, 
Oh, it's just a friendly snake. I'm sure he's more scared of you than you are of it. I love yeah, the, I, I don't think he is. I love the line, it's not poisonous. Right, well, well yeah, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not going to get close enough to find out. But the line, he's more scared of you than you are of it, no, I don't believe that to be true. In fact, I would put good money on the fact that that's probably not the case. But we will proceed. We will press on. It's what we do. You know, Willis Reed walks out of Madison Square Garden on one leg. You got Kirk Gibson limping around the bases off of Dennis Eckersley in the World Series. Jack Youngblood played on a broken leg. I come into the radio studio, sit in the air conditioning, get in front of a microphone, and just look around to make sure that snake is not around. But I'm here for you on a Friday night, the good men and women of Jacksonville, Florida. Tonight's guest lineup looks like this. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. We'll talk Jaguars. We'll talk Super Bowl. We'll also talk Brian Dable, winning coach of the year over Doug Peterson last night. One of the things about Chad, he doesn't sugarcoat a whole lot. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Some people like him. Some people honestly do not like him. And I don't think he really cares. I love the opinion. I love the honesty. So Chad Forbes, you can follow him at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. He is coming up in about 20 minutes. Coming up in about 45 minutes, we will bring you a Hacker After Dark replay. Earlier in the week, I caught up with DJ Lagway, the five-star 2024 quarterback commitment from the University of Florida. We will have DJ Lagway on. If you missed that, Gator fans, earlier this week, he is coming up in about 40 minutes. What was it about Billy Napier that led him to the University of Florida? What were his thoughts on the Jaden Rashada situation? And what type of player is he? What is he going to bring to Gainesville? You'll hear from DJ Lagway coming up in about 40 minutes. In the 9 o'clock hour, we'll go to Arizona. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. We will certainly talk about that. We will also talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Are they ever going to hire a head coach? It is February 10th, and the Arizona Cardinals do not have a head coach. What is going on in the Valley of the Sun? Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. And finally, at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, my man Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. We'll get one final look at the Chiefs as we get ready for the Chiefs and the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. That's where we begin because every night here on Hacker After Dark, we give you a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. Super Bowl Sunday. You got the game, but it's so much more than that, right? It's the companionship. It's the sustenance. It caps off. It's the end of six and a half, almost seven months. Remember when we all convened for the first day of Jaguar training camp? July the 21st. First day of Jaguar training camp. And now here we are. It'll be February the 12th. And the season will officially come to an end. Whether it's pizza, wings, burgers, ribs, dip, Super Bowl parties everywhere. The beverages will be flowing. 
We've said for many years it should be a national holiday. You should get the Monday after the Super Bowl off. I actually do think as time goes on, that may become closer to reality than maybe it has been in the last five, ten years. I think the more time goes by, the more people talk about that, I think the closer you may get to the Monday after the Super Bowl actually becoming a holiday. Uh, Because, look, it's a big day. It's the biggest sports day in this country on the calendar every single year. The commercials, everything that goes with it, it's a great day of football, and I'm really fired up about it. As for the game, look, the subplots are all over the place. Travis Kelsey versus his brother Jason Kelsey. First time ever. Brother versus brother in the Super Bowl. At least playing. Of course, you had the Harbaugh brothers coaching against each other. These guys will be playing in the game on Sunday. You got Andy Reid, 14 years in Philadelphia. Took them to a Super Bowl. Now in his 10th year in Kansas City. Going to his third Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs looking for his second ring. Obviously, the Andy Reid situation. Jalen Hurts, a guy that was a year ago, year and a half ago, thought maybe not to be the guy in Philadelphia. He's not the franchise quarterback. He is one win away from cementing himself in Eagles history as one of the only quarterbacks to bring them a world championship. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes. If he wins his second Super Bowl, where does that put him in the talk of the greatest of all time? Does he enter that top five, six, seven quarterbacks of all time conversation already at only 27 years of age? You look at the analytics, you look at the numbers for this game, it is a dead heat, man. I saw ESPN, they do that football, I think the football power index is what they call it percentage chance each team has to win based on the numbers. I saw it, I believe, on Tuesday. It was 50-50. 50-50. The Eagles, 16-3. and Number one seed in the National Football Conference. Kansas City, same record, 16-3. and The number one seed in the American Football Conference. You know, I've been going back and forth on this all week. I think about how dominant that eagle line of scrimmage is, both the O-line and the D-line. The great receivers the Eagles have, and A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard at tight end. Philadelphia's loaded, man. And then I think about Kansas City. Guys that don't get appreciated, like Frank Clark, Chris Jones, how dominant their defensive line has been. Ask Joe Burrow about that. Heck, ask our guy, Trevor Lawrence, about that. You think about the free agents that Kansas City brought in to replace Tyreek Hill and how valuable Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling have been. Pacheco, the rookie running back. Jarek McKinnon, who all of a sudden has turned into Darren Sproles out there. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And to me, when I put all that into a pot, stir it up, and take a good look at this game on Sunday night, there's one thought that I cannot get out of my head. And this is why I'm going the direction I'm going. 
I do not believe that Patrick Mahomes will lose back-to-back Super Bowls. That's my logic. The last Super Bowl Mahomes was in, he lost to Tampa Bay. I don't believe he loses on Sunday. I can't imagine Mahomes going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls and coming up with L's in both of them. And for that reason and that reason alone, I will take Kansas City Chiefs to hoist the Lombardi Trophy on Sunday to give Andy Reid his second Super Bowl. He will take his place among probably the top six, seven coaches of all time. And Patrick Mahomes to win his second Super Bowl. And who knows how many more he's got ahead of him at only 27 years of age. I think it's going to be a great game. I think you better settle in from the opening kickoff. It's going to be a great game. But at the end of the day, I will take the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game over the Philadelphia Eagles. Last night, NFL honors, as we suspected, Brian Dable, named NFL Coach of the Year. I'm not anti-Brian Dable. Boy, I got into it on Twitter today. New York Giant fans coming out of the woodwork. Then, Mark, I always enjoy a good back and forth on Twitter. I don't know if you know that about me or not. Oh, yeah. I always enjoy the uh, dialogue that Twitter can provide. Twitter is a garbage can. It really is, man. It's awful. It's just awful. But I'm pretty obsessed with it in situations like this. I don't know why name-calling has to ensue. I don't know why people feel that they have to get mean or nasty. No one can ever have a conversation or a discussion anymore. So much so that I had to ask around. I'm like, hey, I'm kind of a nice guy, right? Right. Cool. You, I mean, you should hear some of the, or read some of the things people say about me on social media. Just horrible. I mean, as far as I know, my wife likes me, my three-year-old likes me, and Denmark likes me. It's kind of all that matters, right? Matt Hayes. <laughs> yeah, Matt Hayes likes me too. That's a good one. I'll throw my mother in there. Those are the five, right? As long as my mother, my wife, my son, Denmark, and Matt Hayes like me, and I suppose Steve Griffin, our boss man, does it really matter what anybody else thinks? No, not really. But I, um, man, just getting into it with Giant fans. Again, nothing against Brian Dable. Did a good job. Finished third in his division. Got boat raced in the divisional round, but did a good job. He didn't do what Doug Peterson did. And don't give me this, they beat the Jaguars. They beat the Jaguars by a yard, man. One yard. That wasn't a coaching thing. Christian Kirk was stopped at the 99-and-a-half-yard line, or else the Jaguars win that game. So don't give me that bunk about Dable should be coach of the year over Peterson because the Giants won the game. They won it by a foot and a half. Give me a break. But Doug Peterson, to me, is the coach of the year. And by the way, if Doug Peterson wasn't going to win coach of the year, it should have been Kyle Shanahan. It shouldn't have been Brian Dable. I'm sorry. You finished third in your division. Third. You lost by 30-plus in the playoffs. You can't be coach of the year with that. A third-place finish in your own division, and you lose by 30 in the postseason? No, 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 no. No. That is a New York thing, and that's all there is to it. That guy was the coach in the Big Apple 
And that's a New York thing. And that is the facts of the matter. Doug Peterson would have been coach of the year if he was in New York. That is a big market versus a small market thing. And it kind of riled me up a little bit last night. But does Doug Peterson care? Of course not. People want to say Brian Dable's a better coach than Doug Peterson. All right. Well, Doug Peterson can go to his safety deposit box, pull out a Super Bowl ring, polish it up for you, and hand it to you and say, here you go. Show me Brian Dable's Super Bowl ring. So I don't really get caught up in the minutia of arguing who's the better coach. I can tell you this. If you give me the option right now to trade Doug Peterson for Brian Dable, I wouldn't do it. Not in a million years. They can keep the coach of the year. They can keep Brian Dable. I am just fine having Doug Peterson as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 641-1010 is the phone number on the phone line and on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. We're glad you're with us. A Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Coming up next, Chad Forbes. If you're on Twitter, odds are you've seen Chad on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bites. Again, he speaks his mind. He's not going to sugarcoat much. I'll ask him about the Jaguars' run. I'll ask him about the Jags' offseason. We'll talk a little Super Bowl, and we will talk a little Brian Dable versus Doug Peterson. All of that is next with Chad Forbes, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. It's Hacker After Dark. No. Yeah. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. It is Super Bowl week, the Chiefs and the Eagles this Sunday. Of course, right after the Super Bowl, all eyes turn to the scouting combine, to free agency as that NFL wheel never stops turning. Let's talk to a man that I always enjoy having on. Here on 1010XL in Jacksonville, his name is Chad Forbes. You can follow him on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bites, and he is always kind enough to join us. Chad, it's been a little bit, man. How are you? Hey, what a season for the Jaguars in the first year under Doug Peterson, and Trevor Lawrence finally looks like the savior of the franchise once again. It's got to be a good time to be a Jags fan, and the first offseason they enter where they don't have a ton of cap space and they've got a lot of good players, and that's a great position to be in. Chad, I, I always tell you this, man. I love having you on because you don't sugarcoat a whole lot. You pretty much say what's on your mind on social media, and some people love you for it. Some people hate you for it, but I guess that's the way you know the world works. Uh, boy, the Jaguars, what a turnaround. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. Good times ahead, and you got to give credit to general manager Trenton Balky for what he did one off season ago, bringing in all that talent that produced so well. Right, they spent a lot of money and they nailed those guys. And you know, they paid some. Some people said they overpaid for guys like Christian Kirk, but what a season he had! And Zay Jones, they've got a great wide receiving core, and now they've got Ridley coming back. That's really exciting, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do to kind of create more cap space to be a little bit aggressive in free agency. But I think you're just going to see a pretty quiet offseason, actually, for the first time in a while. Yeah, I think so, too. I guess the big question around here, Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, maybe a little bit Arden Key, those are the three big free agents. They're going to have to maneuver some cap space to get under the cap. But how vital, Chad, do you think those three guys are, Key, Ingram, and certainly Jawan Taylor into re-signing this offseason? You know, Jawan Taylor is going to have a really big mark as a 25-year-old player who just played his best football. 
Don't see him coming back after they paid Cam Robinson. And Walker Little looks like he'll slide in there at right tackle. Evan Ingram, I think that he'll be back. Uh, the question is going to be price. I don't see them using a franchise or transition tender on him. But it's a really deep group in the draft, a tight end. And there's a couple free agents that are very good. So I don't see his price being prohibitive in terms of them bringing him back. And he was a big part of that offense. He really found a home in Jacksonville, which he struggled to do with the Giants. And then Arden Key, you know, young pass rushers. He's bounced around the league a little bit. Sometimes the numbers they get can really shock you. I can see him getting $12, $13 million a year. And that might require a decision between keeping Arden Key and cutting a guy like Ward Robertson Harris, who has one year left on his deal. So those are the kind of decisions they're going to have to go through. And uh, ideally, I think they bring back to Evan Ingram. The other two probably walk. You can uh, follow Chad Forbes on Twitter at NFL Draft Bites. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Chad, your thoughts on Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, their rookie seasons? Not ideal. Trayvon Walker showed some flashes. I don't, I don't think anybody thought he was just going to jump into the league and it was going to be, you know, the light was going to go on right away. He's a 21-year-old player, which is young. And ideally, this first offseason is going to be huge for him and Devin Lloyd to take that next step. I actually thought Chad Muma at times played a little better than Devin Lloyd. So but that doesn't you know, indicate that they're not going to have great careers. It's just their rookie season. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll get a little bit of a bounce back in year two. And you got to trust the coaching staff to get the best out of them. You know, I look at some of the young guys that maybe don't get enough press coverage here in Jacksonville, whether it's Andre Cisco, uh, Tyson Campbell. You mentioned Chad Muma on the offensive side of the ball. Luke Fortner is a rookie to come in and start every game. At center, 19 starts for Luke Fortner, his rookie year. Really goes to show you free agency, the draft, everything they've done really over the last two off-seasons is why they were able to have such a turnaround here in 2022. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I, I say with Cisco, don't trust the PFF numbers. He's a good player. And Tyson Campbell might be the best corner league nobody talks about. And then Fortner, he just looks like he's going to provide stability for four years on that rookie contract. I'm not telling you he's going to go to Pro Bowls, but – he looks like he's going to be a solid center as he gets a little bit stronger in his core in the offseason. And I thought Brandon Scherf just did a great job in there with him. It was uh, kind of that veteran group of Scherf and Shatley surrounding. Fortner definitely helped in his development. And the offensive line looks like it's going to be a strength going forward. Chad, I want to get into the Super Bowl with you, maybe a couple of the head coaching hires as well. But final, final Jaguar thought. You look at the AFC South, all right? Indianapolis, as we're talking right now on February 6th, they still don't have a head coach. Houston hires D'Amico Ryans, but clearly they're in the middle of a rebuild. And Tennessee, who really knows? They just brought in a new GM in Rand Carthon, but he's never worked with Mike Vrabel. So you don't know how that relationship's going to be. Boy, on paper, it looks like Jacksonville's set up here in this division for quite some time to be in very good shape. Right, and you nailed the analysis on the three other teams. What I'd say is it looks like the Titans' window is starting to close a little bit, just as the Jaguars' window is opening. And if you can get a four- or five-year stretch where you win a division, you get into the playoffs, you never get in that first year and win the Super Bowl. It's about getting in four or five years in a row and then going on the run. And in this Trevor Lawrence looking contract, I think they've got a real chance to win one and really become one of the you know, big boys in the AFC. It's not as easy to talk about what the Jaguars are going to do in round one, and we'll certainly have you on before the draft in late April when you're picking in the mid-20s as opposed to picking in the top 10, where Jacksonville seemingly always has picked. But if you were Trent Baalke, what do you think they need to address? What's their biggest need position-wise going into this draft? If they get Ridley back with the current wide receiving core they have and Ingram, then you really don't have to look at a pass catcher. And just looking at these AFC teams, they all have just dudes on the defensive line. And 
I like Trayvon Walker, but I'd be looking at another defensive lineman if he gets there. And then if you could find a safe, I mean, Brian Branch somehow made it there and you could pair him with Cisco, that'd be pretty fun. So there's going to be a good player there at 24. And uh, as you said, you really can't project this far out who that might be. Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. All right, Chad, Kansas City and Philadelphia. Boy, what do you say about Andy Reid? 24 years as a head coach, 14 in Philly, now 10 in Kansas City. And the dude is just unbelievable. He's going to his third Super Bowl in four years, his fourth Super Bowl overall. And, boy, if he wins it on Sunday, there's a real conversation there to whether or not you got to talk about, you know, one of the top five, maybe greatest coaches of all time. Right, and I laugh, you know, back to the days in Philly when people used to say Andy Reid couldn't win the big game and everybody like, kind of knew football, said so Andy Reid's one of the best coaches in football. And what he's done building this culture in Kansas City, it's not just Mahomes, it's also Andy and, it's really been unbelievable, but you know Philly just looks like a beast right now. And it's kind of funny because you're seeing these players that are holdovers from when you know he drafted them, like Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, that are you know, still playing at such a high level in the mid-30s. Philly looks like an absolute bully, and uh, it really requires Mahomes to be Superman if the Chiefs want to win, and maybe, maybe it requires Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones to take over the game, and I just don't think they can do it. You know, it's interesting, and maybe I'm overthinking this. I think I, I know your answer based on that comment, but I look at Kansas City, right? They had to go through Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, two hard-fought games with an injured quarterback in Mahomes, whereas Philadelphia beat just a, a New York team that I don't know what that was about, divisional round, and then San Francisco literally could not throw the ball 10 yards down the field for 80% of that game. Kansas City, Chad's been far more tested, but you don't sound like uh, you think that's going to matter very much. Right. They've been tested and beat up, right? Philly hasn't played a real game in a month, and they're a confident football team. They know they can run the ball on anybody, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball on the Chiefs, throw the ball a little bit, but they're just their defensive line is great, and I think they can get home against those tackles. So I don't see how the Chiefs can do it unless, you know, Kelsey, Mahomes are, you know, just unbelievable. And that could happen. So I think you know, if this is a game where you don't have Mahomes out there, the spread would be a lot larger than what it is. You know, I want to focus on Philly in one second. Final Kansas City thought. Mahomes is the elder statesman of the AFC. It's kind of hard to imagine that at only 27 years of age. But he beat Herbert in the regular season. He beat Josh Allen last year in the playoffs. He just beat Lawrence and Burrow this year. The young quarterbacks in the AFC, Chad, they're coming, certainly. But right now, it's still Mahomes' conference. Yeah, it really is, and you know, he's just such an incredible player. And 27, you're going to see this for another decade, and hopefully for you fans down in Duval, it's uh, Burrow, Lawrence, Mahomes, and Herbert for the next decade. Do you think Lawrence deserves to be in the conversation with the Herberts and the, the Josh Allens right now? All he's done since high school is win, right? So that one year where he didn't really have an NFL coach in Urban Meyer, he didn't, right? And he didn't look as talented as in the past or even this past year. But, yes, he's got a little bit of it. I think he's more talented than Burrow for sure. And I, yeah, I think he's a really great player. So, yeah, you've, you've got one of them. Now the question is, do you have Mahomes? I, I don't think we're ready to say that. A couple of more for Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. All right, Philadelphia. Julian Love of the New York Giants opened some eyes last week saying Nick Sirianni, the head coach of Philly, is basically getting a, quote, free ride and that there are a lot of people that could coach this Eagle team with all the talent they have on that roster. Uh, did you find that comment to be outrageous, or do you think that comment had some credibility to it? I loved it. Give Julian Love some credit. He goes on the NFL Network, and rather than giving generic answers, 
he gives you one that we're talking about a week later. So do I think he's had a free ride? No, because I think he's, you know, basically turned Jalen Hurts into a borderline MVP. So yeah, it's hard to say a free ride, but sure, he's got a great offensive and defensive line. And the general manager there, Howard Roseman, deserves a lot of credit for the roster he's built. Chad, you study these guys every year, man. I value your opinion when it comes to things like this. What happened to Jalen Hurts? There was talk as recently as coming into this year, is he the guy in Philly? And that's a resounding yes right now. How did he turn things around? There's guys that just keep getting better and attack their weaknesses and are able to be coached. And that's weird because a lot of these guys come into the NFL and think they're the best player ever and don't take coaching, right? So every area of his game since he's back at Alabama, he just keeps getting better at. And it has a little bit of a feeling of Russell Wilson early in his career. You know, the mid-round quarterback that comes in and has a great football team around him. You know, rather than having to, whether Trevor Lawrence had to bring the whole team along, he kind of went in there and he's played his game and just keeps getting better and works hard. And that's really what I think it is. It's a good football team. He's worked his tail off. And it feels like he's actually ahead of schedule compared to where Russell Wilson was with the Seahawks years ago. I think I know your answer. I'm going to ask you anyway. You leaning Philadelphia? I'm leaning Philly, yep. And I'm a Giants fan at heart, so that's tough for me to say. But you, you got to be impressed with the team they've built over the last, you know, five years here. No question. The number one seed in the NFC, <clears throat> the number one seed in the AFC on Sunday in Super Bowl 57. Final moments, Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. Chad, what do you make of some of the head coaching hirings? There's one in the AFC South, D'Amico Ryans, now back to Houston. A lot of people really excited about that hire, Chad. What were your thoughts? Uh, D'Amico Ryans did a great job at San Francisco, but look at the roster he had. I definitely prefer hiring an offensive coach. I think you can replace the defensive coordinators. But if you don't have continuity on offense, like what direction are you going in? So I understand it's a great story and a homecoming. But I definitely would have preferred going with an offensive coach. I thought Frank Reich was just kind of like, okay, yes, he's a competent NFL head coach. But does he move the needle? I'm not sure. But some of the owner there was just so tired with not having a competent head coach. He went with Reich. And uh, you know, then we got a couple more openings that should be interesting to see. You like Sean Payton to Denver? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean – the question is, does Sean still have the ability to work the time that he likes to make it great? Or does he get so frustrated with Russell Wilson after a few weeks that he just says, all right, I'm making $18, 20000000 million a year. You know, who cares? But I think Sean Payton, I think he's going to stay engaged there, and he's a great coach and clearly one of the better offensive guys on the planet. Chad, final question. Indianapolis is still open. Arizona is still open. It's February 6th, right? I mean, it's becoming a problem. I would imagine these – teams have to have their decisions made in the next couple of days what are you hearing as to why we're almost to the middle part of february and these jobs are still open i don't think arizona is a great opportunity i mean if you're a young coach like mike kafka for example the giants offense coordinator do you want to he's 35 years old do you want to stake your career on the situation in arizona where they don't have a quarterback and then in indianapolis you know i really do think they're waiting for the eagles offensive coordinator shane steichen and i think their plan all along is to get steichen in there and then go get the quarterback from Alabama in the draft, Bryce Young. So the Stites is the guy developed, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. He can develop Bryce Young in Indianapolis. Wrapping things up here with Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. Always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. All right, Chad, you and I had a nice little back and forth this morning. Uh, Brian Dable named NFL Coach of the Year last night at NFL Honors. Doug Peterson uh, for some reason, finished fifth in the voting. That's 
uh, unbelievable to me. But nevertheless, we got into a Brian Dable versus Doug Peterson conversation. I guess my side of it is this. I um, don't fault Brian Dable for what he did. I think he did a terrific job. I mean, that Giants roster was not very good, and certainly he did a great job at, at getting them to the playoffs and winning a playoff game. I'm just hard-pressed to think that anybody under the circumstances did better than Doug Peterson. What's your thoughts there? Brian Dabble did an exceptional job. After they didn't spend any money in free agency, they released a significant portion of his roster, and he had the big lights of New York City and somehow delivered nine wins, including going 4-0 against the AFC South, beating the Jaguars in Duval. And then I know the playoffs aren't supposed to count, but let's be honest, they do. Going into Minnesota and winning a playoff game against a 13-win team was really impressive. Yeah, look, again, it, it, both guys, if they could have given out two head coaches of the year awards, maybe both should be deserving of it. I, I just think here in Jacksonville, and I know uh, you know, maybe this is a complex we have, we see the New York coach beating the Jacksonville coach, and it's kind of a reminder as to market size and TV. And I think maybe if you reverse the roles and have Brian Dable down here, Doug Peterson up there, it would have been different based solely on New York versus Jacksonville. Yeah, I get that. I think the people in the Pacific Northwest up in Seattle feel the same way about offensive rookie of the year, where Kenneth Walker you know, takes that team to the playoffs and Garrett Wilson's on a you know seven-win Jets team, yet he gets the you know offensive rookie of the year. And there's a little bit of the big market bias, that's for sure. Chad Forbes, at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Chad, enjoy Super Bowl 57, brother. We always appreciate the conversation. You and I will talk again soon. That sounds great. Take care. Chad Forbes, at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. And, yeah, look, nothing against Brian Dable. I'm not anti-Brian Dable. I just uh, – you can't tell me he did a better job than Doug Peterson. I don't believe it. Uh, I think Doug Peterson should have been coach of the year, and I will think that uh, the entire offseason because Doug Peterson, what he did here in Jacksonville in 2022 amidst the circumstances he inherited to me is a better job than any other coach in the National Football League. Gator fans, if you missed DJ Lagway earlier this week, the 2024 five-star quarterback commit for the University of Florida, I had the opportunity to catch up with DJ Lagway. <clears throat> that conversation is coming up in less than 10 minutes. Right now, it's a Friday night. I mean, we're going into the weekend. You probably just went out for dinner tonight. You might be on your way home, maybe going out to get a, a cocktail, uh, just enjoying yourself, listening to Hacker After Dark, and we certainly appreciate it. And because of that, we like to be givers here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. If you want to go to the Beach Boys, St. Augustine Amphitheater, March the 5th, the Beach Boys in St. Augustine at the Amphitheater on March 5th, it's very simple. Simply be caller number four right now to 641-1010, and Dylan Denmark will hook you up with a pair of tickets. Make sure you can go. March 5th, the St. Augustine Amphitheater. Beach Boys are in town. That should be a lot of fun. Caller 4 right now, 641-1010. DJ Lagway, a future Florida Gator quarterback, next here on Hacker After Dark. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. 
Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The college football world never stops spinning. Of course, the Florida Gators always at the forefront of our minds. And come 2024, one of the main components to that will be quarterback DJ Lagway from the state of Texas. DJ joins us here tonight on 1010XL. DJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? DJ, we're good, buddy. Thank you for the time. And how good does that feel? It's been a couple of months now, but when you say future Florida Gator, DJ Lagway, that has a nice ring to it, does it not? <laughs> yes, sir. Most definitely. Yes, sir. What was it, DJ, about Billy Napier and the University of Florida that led you to that decision? Just really the way he uh, runs his program. You know what I mean? I like the way he does things, and I just I'm, I can't wait to get in there and learn from him and just continue to develop as a quarterback. You know, obviously, you could have gone to a lot of different schools. There were a lot of schools that were after you for years and years and years. What was the recruiting process like for you? It's, it was. It was. A, I had a good recruiting process. You know what I mean? Just getting to meet a lot of people, just talking to different coaches. You know what I mean? People that I've seen on TV, getting to meet them in person. It was a real. It's been real fun. You know, obviously, and I'm sure you know this with as many times as you've visited the University of Florida, even here in the Jacksonville area, people are fired up about DJ Lagway and seeing what you're doing on social media, helping recruit for the Gators. The 2024 class is already, I think, a top three class overall nationally. I mean, are you aware of what Gator Nation thinks about you and how excited they are for your arrival? Oh, yes, sir, most definitely. I'm just blessed and fortunate to be around the top fan base in the country, you know what I mean? Because, but like, I'm just excited to whenever I get to campus, you know what I mean, just get to work and just get Florida back to where it used to be. DJ Lagway, quarterback commit for the University of Florida, part of the 2024 Florida recruiting class. DJ, your father played college football. I mean, how, how did he help you in the recruiting process? What kind of guidance did he give you during this time? He gave me a lot of guidance, you know what I mean? Just trying to help me read through the lines with people because people will tell you anything, especially in the recruiting process, and just really figuring out who's really, truly, that truly cares for you, you know what I mean, and truly wants the best interest for you. DJ Lagway here with us now. The new Florida football facility, all the excitement that Billy Napier has brought to this program. DJ, Gator fans get to see Billy Napier from afar, right? They hear him at press conferences, hear him speaking to Gator clubs, but they don't get the one-on-one -on -one contact with Billy Napier like you do. For Gator fans here in Jacksonville listening tonight, what type of guy is Coach Napier? What do you like about him? He's the same guy y'all see on uh, TV. You know what I mean? He's really down-to-earth, down-to-earth guy, but really to keep it straight up with you. You know what I mean? And I feel like he's a he's a, a faith-driven man. You know what I mean? I just can't wait to get up there and learn from him and learn on and off the field from him. And you know this because I see you doing it on social media. When a big-time quarterback like yourself commits to a program, you kind of become the guy, the centerpiece of that recruiting process, and you seem to be embracing that, man. You're on Twitter every day talking to your fellow 2024 um, prospects, the best players in the country. I mean, you welcome, it, it appears, that role of really helping Florida recruit to have a top class next season. Uh, what, what about that do you enjoy doing? You know, I just enjoy building a relationship with the guys, you know what I mean? Because one day they could be my future teammates, you know what I mean? And one day, you, you know, if they don't come to Florida, you know, you know the transport portal people could just move around. So I feel like if they don't 
have a like it where they they could just probably come forward and just already have a great relationship with them. But I feel like just really building relationships is huge for me. Couple of more for DJ Lagway. DJ, for Gator fans listening tonight that know the name, they know about you, but maybe they haven't seen your film, haven't seen you play live, certainly. What type of quarterback is DJ Lagway? What are the Florida Gator fans going to see you when you are in an orange and blue uniform? I'm a type of quarterback that just tries to win games, you know what I mean? Just try to put the ball down the field, uh, just try to let my playmakers make plays and don't try to do too much and just let the game come with me and just try to win. You know, DJ, final moments here, man. Again, appreciate you joining us. Know you're very busy this time of year. Uh, you, you look at everything going on around the University of Florida, and certainly the Jaden Rashada situation did not end the way that everybody – would have hoped that it would have ended. And some Gator fans are, you know, have a little trepidation, I guess, because of what happened with Rashada. And I don't want you to necessarily have to speak on that, but, you know, you are, based on every interview I've seen, you're 100% in with the Florida Gators. I mean, that's that's what you appear to be right now. Is that still the case? Is your recruiting process, you know, shut down? Are you still looking? What's your thought on all that? Oh, yes, sir. I'm 100% like the Florida Gators, you know what I mean? I'm just really – I just can't wait to get down there and just get to work. That's my biggest thing, really just finish up at high school, try to go win a state championship here, and then – DJ, final like qu- yeah, final question uh, for you. You know, how highly thought of you are on all the recruiting websites and all the recruiting ranking boards. I mean, you got to know the stars next to your name and what people think of you. I mean, do you let any of that ever sink in or do you not worry about that sort of thing? I don't. I really don't worry about those sort of things. I just try to come out there, try to come out every day, just to get better, just continue to get better every day, and just work with my guys, build chemistry with my, my high school teammates. That's my biggest thing right now. You know, getting ready for your senior season, man. You said you're ready to win a state championship. How important is it for you to finish your high school career uh, strong <clears throat> out there in the state of Texas? It's huge because I just want to continue to develop. You know what I mean? And just finish off strong. So I've been battling for three years. I just want to finish my fourth year off strong and just have fun while doing it and be stay healthy. DJ, leave us with this, man. A lot of Gator fans, a lot of Gator Nation listening to 1010XL tonight. Do you have any message for the Gator fans that are listening to you right now? Uh, yes, sir. We coming. You know what I mean? I'm just excited to get up there. And I, when I get up there, I'm going to give them all and give them my heart out. DJ Lagway, one of the best players in the country for the class of 2024, quarterback from the state of Texas, committed to the University of Florida. DJ, thank you for the time. We'll talk again soon, bud. Yes, sir. No problem. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. There you go. The future's bright with that young man. I was very impressed. DJ Lagway committed to the University of Florida. Now, Gator fans, as we talked about earlier this week, there's going to be some bumps in the road. What's that saying? The night is darkest. Just before the dawn, well, the 2024 recruiting class for Florida may be the dawn. Right now, it's considered to be a top three class in America with DJ Lagway leading it, one of the best quarterbacks in America. As for the 2023 football season, look, we're seven months away. I'm not trying to burst your bubble here, but let's be real. Let's look at the reality of the situation. You play games against Utah, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida State. I just listed seven games 
that you legitimately might be an underdog in. You have toss-up games against Missouri and Arkansas, and you're at Missouri, by the way, a very tough place to ever go in and win if you're Florida. And then your three gimmies are McNeese State, Charlotte, and Vanderbilt. And yes, I'm including Vanderbilt because you're playing them in the swamp. And good grief, if you can't beat Vanderbilt in the swamp, then I don't even know why we would have this conversation. But it could be a rough year. And and Denmark and I mentioned this earlier this week. I stand by it. If you tell me right now, on February the 10th, at 8.56 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that I could sign on the dotted line for seven wins and five losses, I would take that. I would take that if I was a Gator fan. Of course, I'm an objective broadcast journalist, so my objectivity will say that I cannot be a fan of any team, as you know, but I like to give all the perspectives I can. And if I were a Gator fan, I would take seven and five. Again, who are you going to beat? You going to go to Salt Lake City on Labor Day weekend and beat Utah? You feel good about that one? You going to go to Baton Rouge out to the bayou and beat LSU? You going to beat Georgia here at the cocktail party? Are you going to go to Columbia, South Carolina with absolute certainty and beat the Gamecocks? Are you going to beat Florida State when they come into the swamp? Arkansas? I don't know about that. Missouri? I don't know. Kentucky? Tennessee? It's tough, man. It's a tough schedule. Could be a long year for Florida, but the point is, if you can suffer through maybe another interesting year with Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer as your starting quarterback, and this 2024 class keeps forming, that could be the class that begins to get Florida back to where they need to be. And a lot of that will have to do with DJ Lagway, who we just had on here on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go. Jacksonville, we're with you till 10 o'clock. We are glad you are with us. As always, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Just search 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see the show there until 10 o'clock tonight. Likewise, on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you will see Hacker After Dark there, streaming live until 10 o'clock this evening. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. Coming up next, back into the world of the National Football League, the Jaguars have a new wide receivers coach. I have a little information on the new Jaguars wide receivers coach, courtesy of my friends up in Buffalo. When they told me, it brought a smile to my face. I'll tell you next on Hacker After Dark. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. I mean, this is just the spot-on analysis that you can't get anywhere else. Then right here on 1010XL. So the 909 on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, I guess because I picked Kansas City to win the game earlier here on Hacker After Dark. Quote, you guys that think KC will have no problem winning Sunday are sadly mistaken. The will, and will is in all caps to win, is with Philly. They will be after Patricia McCombs, 
from the first snap. After this season, KC has a major problem in the AFC. There's a team right here in Duval that you have to get through, and my Duval boys are hungry. Love the passion. I feel it's my duty to remind you that 20 days ago, an injured Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City did beat Jacksonville. You jabroni! I wasn't happy about it either, but I don't know if I'd be picking fights with Kansas City 20 days after they just beat you. I would let that simmer for a couple of months and reevaluate once around the time training camp gets underway. Speaking of the Jaguars, a brand new wide receiver coach, Chad Hall. Got to admit, did not know a lot about Chad Hall, but I knew he spent six years in Buffalo. So I went to my guy, Sal Capaccio of the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. When you do this as long as I've done it, you got guys in every city, right? We're going to go to Phoenix here in a moment. Kevin Zimmerman is my guy in Phoenix. Well, Sal Capaccio is my guy in Buffalo. So I texted Sal. I said, Sal, give me something to give the Jaguar fans about Chad Hall, the new wide receiver coach the Jaguars are going to hire. Here's what Sal said. Very high energy guy, loved by his players. Surprised he's moving on because of that, and he was very close with McDermott, meaning Sean McDermott, for a while. Also, Chad Hall is the brother-in-law of Matthew Stafford. Chad's sister is married to Matt Stafford. But that wasn't all. If you go to my Twitter handle, at RyanGreen1010XL, it's on my birth certificate. Some people may not know that. My birth certificate actually does not say hacker on it. It says Ryan Green. At Ryan Green 1010XL, I tweeted this video out from Christmas of 2020 when the Buffalo Bills wide receiver core bought Chad Hall a brand new truck for Christmas. So obviously he is liked by his players. This big, beautiful truck with a ribbon on it, all the Bills wide receivers pitched in to give to Chad Hall. So I'm very excited about Chad Hall taking over for Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson, a good coach. It looks like Doug Peterson has replaced a good coach with another good coach, Chad Hall, coming in from the Buffalo Bills. We are 31 days away from free agency, 21 hacker after darks away. As you know, Pro Football Focus did their top 100 list. Free agents available. We're giving you four a night to see if Jacksonville would have any interest. Tonight's numbers 84 through 81. Larry Anginobi of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the only thing I know about him is he was the guy when he played for Cleveland that took a cheap shot on Mason Rudolph. Because of that, I'll pass. Gazeer White, linebacker, Philadelphia. Eh, Jaguars might have a need at linebacker. That's a guy or a guy like that. I can see the Jaguars maybe signing to a one- or two-year deal. Paris Campbell, wide receiver, Indianapolis. No interest in Jacksonville. I think their wide receiver room will be pretty full with the arrival of Calvin Ridley. Paris Campbell's a good player. If I'm Indianapolis, I would do my best to re-sign him. And then finally, Cam Fleming, the former Florida State Seminole at offensive tackle. Nope. If you're going to spend money on an offensive tackle, you better re-sign Jawan Taylor. Which still, Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, Arden Key, the three biggest guys that are set to hit the market 
for Jacksonville 31 days from today, Monday, March the 13th. Finally, Tom Brady. It was announced his retirement papers have officially been filed. It looks like it's for real. Tom Brady files his retirement papers today. He is eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2028. I'll tell you, Denmark, I like his chances. If I were a betting man, I'd say Tom Brady would probably get in on the first ballot. Don't really think I'm breaking any news there. By the way, congratulations to friend of the show, Demarcus Ware, for getting in last night. Former Buccaneer Rondé Barber, Zach Thomas of the Miami Dolphins, Daryl Rivas, Rivas Island, Joe Thomas of Cleveland. I didn't know Coriel wasn't in the Hall of Fame. That's crazy to me. Chuck Howley as well. Nice Hall of Fame class. Congratulations to all the members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. Let's go to Phoenix, Arizona. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. We'll talk Super Bowl. We'll talk the Arizona Cardinals. Are they ever going to hire a head coach? And we'll talk Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, now a Phoenix Sun. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. He's our guy out in Phoenix. He's next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. It is a Friday evening, and we are glad you are with us. The Super Bowl is out in Phoenix, Arizona. The Cardinals are still looking for a head coach. Kyler Murray could miss maybe the start of the 2023 season. And oh, by the way, Kevin Durant just got traded to the Phoenix Suns. Let's go to Phoenix. Our man Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. He's our guy out in Phoenix, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Kevin, have you gotten any sleep in the last 48 hours? I actually did last night. Um, before that, I was up from about 1.30 in the morning our time until last night at 10. But, yeah, I'm good to roll. I finally got some sleep. And, um, yeah, it, the last 24 hours has been just kind of crazy here. Kevin, I mean, not to mention the fact the Super Bowl's there. We'll get to that in a moment. But certainly Kevin Durant is the big topic. Traded to Phoenix to team up with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Four first-round picks, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson go back to Brooklyn. What has been the reaction in the Valley of the Sun out there about Kevin Durant's arrival? It's a little split in some ways. I think people are really conscious of, even if you're a casual basketball fan, you know Kevin Durant is up there with the greats, going to be one of the all-time greats. And even at 34 years old, he's playing awesome before this latest uh, knee injury. And then there's a lot of sense of many fans, regardless of how they feel and how much they believe Kevin Durant is good, they really loved Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. And those guys are kind of the heart and soul of this team where um, they were not only really good dudes, um, but they were lighthearted. They were fun. They really connected with the fan base here. And then you talk about how good of players they were. They were just reliable. Bridges played 400 games for the Suns, never missed one. Um, Cam Johnson had some injuries, but he was always just, you know, an awesome shooter, 
Um, you could always rely on him to be in the right spot on defense. So from both the basketball and kind of the emotional perspective, fans are kind of torn on this, but I, I think people do understand uh, Kevin Durant kind of puts you right in the contention picture right now. Kevin, take us through it. I mean, this happened in the middle of the night. Um, new ownership in Phoenix, obviously wanting to make a splash, and boy, did they ever. How did this trade happen? How did this work itself out? Yeah, I think we can go back to the summer when we might have talked then about uh, the Suns kind of were linked to Kevin Durant just because of the Kyrie thing. And Durant was really just looking for if Kyrie's leaving, then I might as well go and reset too. And I, there are just a lot of connections with him. He's always been really high on Devin Booker. I think last um, All-Star draft, he was the captain. He picked Booker first overall, even though Booker was, you know, among all of the guys that he could select. And so they play on the Olympic team a few years ago together. And so I think he always wanted Phoenix if, if Brooklyn didn't work out. So then when Kyrie requests his trade this past week, then it all kind of set that back into motion. And really, from the Suns' perspective, I mean, this season, if you guys don't follow it out there, has been kind of weird. I mean, there's been injuries, yes, but also just the offseason, how they got dismantled by the Mavs and showed up didn't really show up in that game seven DeAndre Ayton kind of had a rift with Monty Williams and they kind of got over that but it didn't take until the season began for them to get over that and to kind of figure things out and then they're just playing basketball so the basketball product has been a little up and down because of all those things but it really kind of looked like there was kind of a cap on this team's potential like if, were they a top four team in the west if they're all healthy probably um, but but really it, it looked all along even since um, last year in the playoffs when they just didn't look right against the Pelicans, against the Mavs, that this team kind of just needed to make at least a, a minor reshuffling, if not a major one. And obviously, Kevin Durant's a major one. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Kevin, this is putting your chips all in the table, right? I mean, four future first-round picks, two good young players to get a, a Kevin Durant, a very good if not still a very great player, but obviously he's not 25 any longer. I mean, are the Suns sacrificing their future to try to win right now, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, and it's the picks. That that was a big deal. They do have some second-round picks. They obviously have some picks in the even years where they still have their first-rounders. Um, so it's not completely mortgaged there, but financially it is. I mean, you look at Kevin Durant's deal, I think it's 25-26 it goes through, and he's making over $40 million, and I think it goes over 50 in the last few years. So that's a commitment to a guy who, again, is 34. And I don't think I answered the part to your last question about the ownership. Um, Wednesday, Matt Ishbia was introduced as the new owner, and he didn't really give a lot of detail about, like, you know, the how much are you going to spend. He, he answered that with the Kevin Durant trade. And I think that's that's a good thing, whether you, you're skeptical of it or, or not. Um, you're at least aware that he just within one day of really taking over two days, he put all of his money there, really chips on the table and said, hey, I'm going to spend to do what I think is going to win. We'll see if the results are there, but at least he's willing to. Right. And I think fans um, will be feeling good about that part. Kevin, where does this put Phoenix in the Western Conference? I mean, does it make them the favorite? Certainly Denver uh, looks very good, although my Orlando Magic gave them the beating last night, so Denver might be a little hit or miss. Kyrie 
and Luka Doncic in Dallas. We know the Clippers are very good. The Lakers have done a lot, but are they too far behind? Obviously, Memphis with all that young talent. There's a lot of teams out there, but I don't think there's a team right now that has a foursome like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Kevin Durant. So is Phoenix the favorite in your opinion right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they are at least top two. I mean, they have kind of the same problem as the Nuggets where their they're starting lineup, I can't see it going terribly if people are healthy. But once you get past that, there are depth questions. Um, for the Suns, it's you lose Mikel Bridges as a guy who always took the best perimeter offensive player. We don't really have any idea who that could be um, on the current iteration of this team. So that th- there are questions about this team for sure. But I think we're just when you look at the collection of talent with Booker and De- um, Kevin Durant, um, Aiton and Chris Paul can complement them. And, and I think they're going to be a really good team. Like you said, the Lakers, yeah, might be too far behind. You can tell me if Mo Bamba can really um, play a lot of minutes <laughs> as center and stuff. I'll, I'll go ahead and answer that one pretty quick. Uh, look, I love Mo Bamba, good guy, but uh, it was time for him to move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they, they reshuffled and got some better pieces. Um, and yeah, they have two stars too, where it's like, okay, if they're healthy, they're, they're good. But I think in the West, really the Mavs made the move for Kyrie. The Suns made the move for Katie. Cause they, they felt like, Hey, this is kind of wide open. And just, it's such a log jam once you get past the nuggets at the top and yeah, the nuggets have even their own questions. So I think everyone just views it as super open and I think that's going to make for a fun end of the season, even just before we get into the playoffs, where matchups really might just kind of dictate who gets deep into that. A couple of more for Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. He's our guy out in Phoenix here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Kevin, as if that wasn't busy enough for you, the Cardinals have had A.J. Green retire, J.J. Watt retire, rumors of a DeAndre Hopkins trade, Rumors that Kyler Murray may miss the opening, if not midway point of the season in 2023 with the torn ACL recovery. And here we sit on the 10th day of February, and they still do not have a head coach. Uh, so, boy, what's this offseason been like for the Cardinals so far? Yeah, it's, it's again, lots of questions. And I think just how we saw them end that season, Steve Kime stepped away for health reasons and eventually just walked away at the end of the season. Cliff Kingsbury obviously did not have a great amount of success this year and there were questions even going into this year and that's why the whole thing about him getting in contract extension last offseason was so crazy so where we are I mean the, the the depth issue on the team was a problem going into this year and then when injury hits it just kind of came up so I, I think they're in a full reset and I think that's what new GM Monty Austin for it is going to kind of look at is, okay, we, we have a franchise quarterback. I, I don't think you can trade Kyler Murray's contract. Um, he has to get healthy. You don't want to rush him back. Um, and, and will they be competitive? And that's where it's going to be interesting. This off season is how much they can turn over. Both lines really don't have many guys that we know are coming back um, that are regulars. There are free agents. There are guys who could retire across especially the offensive line so I I just don't see how this team can go into next year thinking they're going to win now if you use that number three overall pick you get some draft picks and you start reloading that makes a lot more sense Um, 
and and it depends on the coach too and that's the interesting thing where they're they're really just going to make this hire it looks like next week after the super bowl because owner michael bidwell has been busy doing his super bowl duties and uh, honestly i think a couple of coaches um that they might have wanted to hire have dropped out um sean payton obviously go to the broncos brian flores who has a relationship with Monty Ozen for it, um, takes the Vikings DC job before he even took a second interview that he was scheduled to take with Arizona. So they're just at coordinators, Mike Kafka, Luana Marumo, DC of the Bengals. And, and they're right there where I think it's going to be one of those two guys and they're not in a huge rush, but obviously not household names. I could, I, I guess you could say, you know, as we begin to wrap up, Kevin, yeah, the Flores thing, floored me no pun intended because the rumor was he was going to get a second interview for the head coaching job there's only 32 of those in the world right the last time I checked and yet he takes the DC job in Minnesota rumor or rumor is apparently Sean Payton depending on who you talk to really did not want the Arizona job because of the questions surrounding Kyler Murray I mean is this a job that they're having trouble finding guys to take at this point I honestly do think it is, um, but I, I wouldn't say it's about Kyler. I think yesterday Sean Payton kind of said, I don't I don't hate Kyler at all. Um, whether that's true, I don't know if he's just saying that, but I will say that Michael Bidwell, you know, there were stories at the end of last year and, and people asked Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph, Michael Bidwell is very involved. He, he sat in with meetings um, with the coaches, went over film, that kind of involvement. Um, I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, I certainly do know that if you're Sean Payton and you're a guy who wants to go to the right situation where maybe you're a top, even the GM that they hired, then maybe this wasn't the right fit. Um, obviously, they hired a GM before the coach. So just working with Michael Bidwell, you have to jive with him. Right. And I, I don't know if that's the issue. I don't know if Kyler's the issue, but certainly every NFL team has different um an ecosystem, I guess, within the building. And that's kind of what the Cardinals one is. And we're, we're going to see if Mike Kafka or Anaruma want the, want to join that, you know, Kevin, as we begin to say goodbye, I want to get a final thought on the Super Bowl being out there in Phoenix, but quickly you guys from afar saw your former guy, Christian Kirk have his breakout year here in Jacksonville. I know I had you on a couple of times when the Jaguars signed Christian Kirk. Did that come as a surprise to anybody out there in Phoenix, the kind of role and the kind of, impact Kirk had here in Jacksonville? I don't think so. I mean, here he always got a little bit better, a little bit better each year. And, and regardless of if you think he's a star, star, number one obvious guy or not, I, I, I think his work ethic um, really just showed he was obviously went to high school out here. So people knew he was just an incredible athlete and just broke every state record. So he has that going for him. But yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone was surprised. I mean, I don't remember how many yards he had his rookie season. It might have been 500, 600. But if you look at that quarterback situation in 2018, um, to, as a rookie to put up that um, was impressive. And he just got better every year. So I, I don't think anyone is surprised. And there are still tons of Christian Kirk fans out here. All right, Kevin, what's the vibe out there as we say goodbye? Philadelphia, Kansas City, the game will be played there in your backyard. What are we thinking locally out there in, in the Phoenix, Glendale area about what's going to transpire on Sunday during the Super Bowl? Man, uh, I honestly don't have any clue. Um, I'm going to pick, I think, the Chiefs just because they've been there before, and that's not the most analytical reason. But 
Um, we are sure looking out for a Philly win and I guess a Philly loss, and they're not going to grease the light poles out here apparently, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Kevin, appreciate the time on short notice, man. know you're very busy. Thank you. We'll talk again this offseason. No problem. Thanks for having me. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Super Bowl 57 on Sunday, Kansas City and Philadelphia. Let's go out to Kansas City. Let's talk to our guy, Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810. He's our guy when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Seren, how we doing? Uh, doing well, Ryan. How are you, buddy? Seren, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. The last time I talked to you, the Jaguars were heading out to Kansas City. Turned out to be a good game. Obviously, Kansas City won it. Mahomes got hurt. A week later, Mahomes and Andy Reid do what they do and beat Joe Burrow in Cincinnati in a great ball game. And now here we are, the third Super Bowl in four years. What's the ride been like out there in Kansas City this postseason? It's been a scary one, that's for sure. You mentioned the injury to Patrick Mahomes, and uh, you know I think there was a lot of confidence in this team. There was fear of the Cincinnati Bengals for sure uh, because they had dropped three in a row to them, but I think there was also a quiet confidence that all three of those games had been three-point games and so that the margin, the, the difference between the two teams was not really – that great and that it was something that the Chiefs could overcome. Uh, so, you know, there was a quiet confidence, but an uneasiness, right? Not like, oh, we're guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl. A lot of conversation about what it would mean if they had five AFC championship games at their place and only got to the Super Bowl for two and only won one. So a tremendous relief in surviving against the Jaguars when Mahomes went down, of, of getting the win against the Bengals and getting back into the Super Bowl. I don't get the sense from the team that there's a, you know, a mission accomplished, but it was a huge game. And I, I, you know, if they would lose this game and maybe lose unimpressively to the Philadelphia Eagles, I think some people might wonder, did they play their Super Bowl against the Bengals uh, two weeks before? Uh, that's what we're going to have to find out, uh, you know, this Sunday when they when they finally strap it on in, uh, in Phoenix. Third Super Bowl in four years. And Andy Reid now 14 years in Philly, 10 years in, in Kansas City. I mean, the guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer in Canton. If he wins this game you got to start talking about where his place is among, you know, the top five, certainly top ten, all-time greatest coaches in NFL history. Uh, what has Andy Reid not only meant to that city, that organization, but meant to, to everything surrounding Chiefs' kingdom? Yeah, you know, that's it's an interesting point, and, and I think it is amazing. You know, I, I, I tweeted out earlier this year, and I should probably update it with the final numbers from this year, just the comparison of Bill Belichick – without his Hall of Fame quarterback and Andy Reid without his. What Andy Reid's record looked like with Alex Smith and Donovan McNabb and Mike Vick and Jeff Garcia and, and the different quarterbacks that he had success and won games with before Patrick Mahomes. And it's night and day, right? He was obviously a, a brilliant offensive mind uh, before he got a hold of his Hall of Fame quarterback. Now we're watching him really solidify his his place historically. And you know, he's quickly become, you know, the, the most important, the most dominant, the best head coach, manager, uh, you know, front office, however you want to describe his place, uh, you know, sideline figure in Kansas City sports history. He's certainly beloved by the fans. There's the one guy that looks like him who imitates him at every game. That guy's, you know, making a ton of money because he's booked for uh, television commercials all over town <laughs> to uh, impersonate Andy Reid. So, you know, it, it's, it, you know, he has become – you know, after Patrick Mahomes, the the second biggest uh, force of personality in the city for sure. 
You know, you look at, uh, again, Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Seren, you look at Patrick Mahomes, the elder statesman, as you and I talked about, 27 years of age, but he beats Josh Allen in the playoffs a year ago. He beats Justin Herbert in the regular season this year, and then he goes through both Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow to get back to the Super Bowl. He may be the elder statesman, Seren, but there's no question the young quarterbacks are coming, but this is still Patrick Mahomes' conference. Yeah, it, it's an amazingly dynamic uh, position that these playoffs have been because I think it was kind of a reality check for Kansas City fans when he was the oldest AFC uh, quarterback in the playoffs. I mean, it spoke to the fact that he's not a rookie anymore. He's six years into his career, five years into being the starter. Uh, we're watching him with another major injury, right? That's you know going to take its toll, whether it's – 1% mobility and flexibility with that ankle or two or three or four or five, all these injuries, the dislocated kneecap, the spraining the other ankle uh, back in 2019, all, all these things will eventually take their toll and, and wear on him. He'll bounce back, you know, better because he's only 27 right now, but it was a bit of a reality check that like, Hey, you know, we're, we're maybe entering the middle stage. If there are three stages to a quarterback's career, we're no longer in the, the early stage. He's not cheap anymore on the contract. Uh, the Chiefs have had to really adjust and have had a great year with their front office and being able to put quality talent around him while he still takes up such a big chunk of the uh, salary cap. That's something that Jag fans can enjoy. The clock is ticking. There's there's really three, maybe four more years if you backload the contract that the Jags will have a, a top-shelf quarterback that's, that's cheap. We've graduated out of that, so we're kind of in the second phase uh, of the Mahomes career. But in addition to being the old man of the AFC, he also not only forms the first tandem of quarterbacks to be African-American quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, but the youngest tandem of quarterbacks. So he's old, but he's young. And, and so it's, it, it's kind of an interesting time in Patrick Mahomes' life. You're right. He's kind of the old guard. He's definitely, now that Tom Brady's retired, probably the standard that everybody's going to be measured against. Aaron Rodgers would have something to say about that, I'm sure. But uh, especially if he wins this second championship, then he is definitely the man that every quarterback will have to look up to, at least for the next couple of years. Saran, you and I talked before the playoff game, and, and we talked about Travis Kelsey and what Jacksonville could do to defend him, and they decided not to do anything because he had 14 catches and a couple of touchdowns. You called him ageless at the time, and, and I thought that was spot on. The guy is unbelievable. I mean, you could argue, and I can't believe I'm even saying this, you could argue Travis Kelsey might even be better now than he was four or five years ago, and I didn't think that was possible. I mean, that Mahomes to Kelsey combination, I don't know if it's Brady to Gronk, but it's probably in the conversation. Yeah, it is, and it's 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 that's the only combination uh, that's more prolific on the touchdowns, uh, you know, that it had been uh, other than Jerry Rice and Joe Montana uh, coming into these playoffs, and and Patrick, I think they are now tied with Gronk and Brady, or maybe they're one touchdown, one postseason touchdown behind. Kelsey is past Gronkowski in, in receiving yardage. Uh, you know, he's moved up to, I think, second uh, in that in postseason uh, receiving yardage. I mean, Travis Kelsey, seven consecutive years with 1,000 yards receiving. That had never been done by a tight end. In fact, four consecutive years had never been done. Greg Olson was the only one to have three consecutive years with a thousand yards so he's rewriting the record book and and yes is he does he have his hand on the ground and is he an earth mover of a blocker no he's not but is he the the first of his generation the modern tight end the the guy that everybody's now looking for when they scout tight ends in college football yeah he is and you know it, it's it's been a tremendous combination one that 
the Eagles will be well well aware of one that other teams were. You know, his last five games, teams did a pretty good job of slowing him down, not stopping him, but slowing him down. Uh, and that may be what the Eagles try to do in this game. Uh, coming down the stretch in the last six games, Jarek McKinnon had eight touchdown catches from the backfield. It, it seemed like they dedicated the resources that would have taken the running back away to really doubling Travis Kelsey and taking him out of the mix. And Andy Reid had, you know, he had the answer. And it was Jarek McKinnon getting eight of his nine touchdowns, which, by the way, tied the NFL record for touchdown catches by a running back in the season. You know, they are more than just Travis Kelsey, but it certainly starts with Travis Kelsey when it goes to the receivers. A couple of more for Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Again, the Chiefs and the Eagles Sunday in Super Bowl 57. Seren, outside point of view, when they traded Tyreek Hill, you thought, all right, well, maybe salary issues, they're going to have some cap problems, and they're not going to be near as productive. And maybe the raw numbers aren't there. They don't have the explosiveness without Tyreek Hill, but they're in a Super Bowl the year after they traded him. Is there any surprise in Kansas City that the offense has still been this good without Cheetah out there? Um, yeah, I think for the city, for sure, yes. Uh, I think a lot of people were very panicked. A lot of people didn't like the trade. You know, it's one we talked about a lot on, on my show, and, and I do a cheese podcast, Red, Gold, and Bold, that we, we discussed it a lot. And, and really several of us, myself, Jeff Jadier from the NFL Network, and Eric Eager uh, from uh, formerly a pro football focus, but now from Sumer Sports, you know, we, we were all three kind of getting word that that, that was going to be the last year for Tyreek Hill, uh, that the Chiefs knew that, Based upon, you know, conversations with his agent, he wanted to reset the receiver market, and that wasn't going to fit uh, with their team. So they, they knew it was really the swan song last year, and, and they were headed down that road, and were, were going to be, unless uh, Tyreek Hill changed uh, what it was he was looking for, that they were going to be trading him. So they knew, I think, all last year, and as they set their free agent plans and their, their off-season plans in December, they knew that that was the direction that they were going to have to go. And so it, it didn't shock them. Uh, and I think they, they knew that they had, you know, had a path to be, have no one guy be as good as Tyreek Hill. But I think they, they went to Patrick Mahomes and said, listen, this is going to be on you. We're going to give you good talent. We're going to get people, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, drafting Sky Moore, trading. And they tried to trade for, at least talked about trading for Kadarius Toney in the offseason. Uh, I think when uh, training camp got going, ultimately got it done at the trade deadline. They, they have went to Patrick and said, listen, we're going to get you talent. No, no one guy will be as good as Tyreek Hill, but Andy will scheme it up, and if you spread the ball around, uh, we can be just as good. And Patrick bought into it. He said going into the season at the end of training camp, guys were asking, well, you know, for fantasy players out there, who who should they grab amongst your receivers? He said, oh, I'm afraid uh, we're going to disappoint you fantasy-wise because uh, in any given week it could be somebody different. It, it, it's going to be someone different each time. And he said that's just how we're going to play this year. And he went out and did exactly that, spread the football around to every receiver that stepped on the field, touchdowns everywhere. And so I don't think it, it, it surprised the Chiefs. I don't think it surprised Patrick Mahomes. And I think that was the most important part, selling him on what the plan would be moving forward. Saran, so what's the health of the team? I know they had major issues in the AFC title game. I think three receivers got banged up at one point what does the health look like you know five or six days out here from the game on Sunday 
disappointingly very poor uh, based upon, you know, getting that bye week. That's what you fight for the whole time. And then over these two playoff games, a lot of injuries have, have welled up. McCole Hardman gave it a shot uh, with his their, what they're calling is a pelvic injury. We don't really know specifically what it is. He re-aggravated that. Andy Reid doesn't sound optimistic that he'll play. He said Kadarius Tony was close to practicing. Uh, we're opt- quite optimistic he'll play. He said Juju Smith-Schuster was in a good place. Uh, I think that's important because the Chiefs are going to throw the ball. And uh, even though they got away with the win against Cincinnati, when all the receivers were down, they weren't real dynamic uh, offensively at that point. So they need some of those receivers to get back. And then on defense, Willie Gay Jr. Uh, went out of the game. Uh, Darius Harris has been a great replacement for him when he's had to step in this year. But they're better with Willie Gay Jr. They're optimistic he's going to be – uh, ready to go. The one that's scary is Legereus Steed. He's their second best defensive player after Chris Jones, kind of their Swiss Army knife back in the secondary. And, you know, it, it, it they lose a lot of their flexibility. They won without him. He went down on the fourth play, and three rookie corners stepped up and played at a, a very high level. But they're a much more dynamic defense and, and much more flexible in what they can do when Legereus Steed is healthy. So getting through the concussion protocol uh, is going to be something that the, uh, the all Chiefs fans are watching very closely with Legereus need final moments here with Seren Petro sports radio 810 in Kansas City all right Seren it's the number one seed in the NFC the number one seed in the AFC on paper it looks fantastic Sirianni knows Andy Reid Andy Reid knows Sirianni you got Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts you got the Kelsey brothers going at it I mean this thing looks like it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun on Sunday your thought the thought in the Kansas City area about the matchup as a whole yeah, I think uh, there's there's a quiet confidence, right? there. There's a belief that Patrick Mahomes will be healthier uh, in this game than he was the last, although I keep cautioning people this is an injury that needs rest, uh, and he's not getting it. He's up on it, so it's he's not going to be 100%. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, but there's, there's, you know, they're powered by, uh, you know, him beating the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, they're powered by the, the creativity of Andy Reid's offense and they're powered by a youthful defense, uh, that has gotten better and better and better as the year has gone along. So I think there is a confidence and they're powered by the fact that they beat the Eagles, uh, 30, what was it? I think 34, 23 and seven of those points by the Eagles last year uh, came with, with an, oh, by the way, touchdown with four seconds left on the clock. So there's a lot of reason for them to be confident. And I, and I think Kansas City you know, feels like uh, they, they should win this game, but I think they feel like it's going to be a difficult game. And, and I tend to agree. I, I, I do think that they can stop the run, and I think if you make the Eagles one-dimensional, that becomes a problem. The Eagles also played an array of – Really poor quarterbacks, if you look at what they went up against. I think that bloated that sack total. Their pass rush is very good, but it's not the 85 Bears. I think the Chiefs will have some answers for that. I've been picking the Chiefs 34-20, and I, and I think uh, you know with, with a with a seal it touchdown to, to make the margin the, the double digits. But uh, I do like Andy Reid, and, and I think Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And generally speaking, if there's a Hall of Famer against a non-Hall of Famer, the Hall of Famer wins. So I'll put my faith in uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in this one. Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Seren, know you're very busy, obviously, with everything going on. We certainly appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk again soon. We'll do it. Thanks, Ryan. Always great to be with you. And a big thank you to my friend Seren Petro, Sports Radio 810 out in Kansas City, for joining us tonight on Hacker After Dark. Kansas City and Philadelphia on Sunday in Super Bowl 57. You know, I've been going back and forth on this game all week. I could see Philadelphia winning it. I could see Kansas City winning it. Honestly, 
I've been like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I'm just simply not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I do not feel Patrick Mahomes will lose back-to-back Super Bowls. So for that reason, I will take the Kansas City Chiefs to hoist the Lombardi Trophy on Sunday night there in Glendale, Arizona. That'll just about do it for what has been a very busy Friday and a very busy week here on Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We got a lot of people to thank tonight against Seren Petro of Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Thank you to Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. Boy, do they have a lot going on. The Super Bowl, obviously, is in their backyard. The Cardinals sit on February 10th without a head coach. A.J. Green has retired. J.J. Watt has retired. There's rumors that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traded. And, oh, by the way, there's a rumor that Kyler Murray may not be ready until midseason in 2023. So, a lot going on. And, as if that wasn't enough, uh, the Suns traded for Kevin Durant this week. So, we talked about all that. Appreciate Kevin Zimmerman's time tonight from ArizonaSports.com. DJ Lagway, the 2024 quarterback commitment for the University of Florida. We were able to bring you Hacker After Dark replay with him from earlier in the week. Thank you to DJ and for all his coaches out there in the state of Texas that set that interview up for us. And my man Chad Forbes at NFL Draft Bites on Twitter. You may not like what he has to say, but he's not going to sugarcoat anything, man. And we love the honest perspective. That's why we love having Chad Forbes on here on Hacker After Dark. We'll be back on Monday, and we will recap Super Bowl 57 and everything else that transpires in the world of sports over this upcoming weekend. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. And Jacksonville, thank you for spending your Friday evening and your week here with us on Hacker After Dark, on 1010XL, and on 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific weekend. And we will do it all over again on a Monday, beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.